Before worship this morning, Vernon and I were discussing the fact that how time seems to be flying by rather quickly. And thus it does. One month ago today, September the 25th, the new owners took over at 51 Bishop Bay. A few weeks ahead of that, were somewhat hectic, to say the least. Kathy and I are very grateful for those who helped us get through it all. We sure could not have done it without the willing hands and strong backs of many. So thank you. In our married life, we have moved nine times. And I can say without a doubt that this, for sure, was the hardest. <coughs> Kathy said shortly after we got into Meadowood, she said, I think we'll just start planning our next move now. <laughs> and I suppose, in a sense, that would be wise. Downsizing is not fun or easy. You sell some things, you give away others, and you throw away others. Throwing away good things is really hard for me. Being raised on a farm in western Manitoba, I learned very young from my father that when things broke, you fixed it. And so I recall that when I was still a teenager, he bought a welder. And he said to me, I bought this welder and I want you to learn how to weld because you're going to be the guy that's going to fix things. And I learned and I did. We had a pot of scrap iron. And if something broke, we went and got a piece of scrap iron and we fixed it and we welded and we got it back so we could go again. Because there wasn't money to just trash what had been broken and buy a new one. We live, I guess, in what I might describe as a throwaway society. And maybe the manufacturers of things have come, got smart enough where they know that they, they build right into those things that they're going to only last for so many years and then we'll have to buy a new one. Or else they make them so complicated that you can't fix them anyway. But I've always sort of prided myself in the fact that if something broke, I could fix it. You've likely heard the saying, the beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Suggest to you this morning that value or worth is somewhat the same. I've always had an appreciation for really nice pieces of wood. And those of you who helped us move and move the shop, you know that there was lots of little pieces of wood. I used to go to Windsor Plywood on the, on the 
north end of Main Street in Winnipeg, right by the perimeter. And in, in, in that particular lumber yard, they would have a box, a fairly large box, full of scraps. Little short pieces of wood that they couldn't sell for the regular price, and so they were in the box. And I used to go there periodically, and I would glean some of those pieces of wood from the box. Bring them home. I didn't have to pay big dollars for those. If I bought them off the shelf in a six-foot length, it would cost a lot of money. But little pieces were not so bad. And I'd take those little pieces, and I would try to make something that was was good and useful. And maybe even maybe even had some beauty. You know? This little item here is made out of bird's eye maple. And I saw these little pieces one day. And I thought, I bet you I could sand those down and I bet you I could I could put them together and I could rubber the edges and I could make, I could make something nice out of that. And so I tried. I'm, you maybe not think that that's something special. But it took some work. Just made up some pieces of wood. I recall Duane will maybe recall this as well. Those of us who knew and appreciated Murray Cuddy knew that he was a lover of wood as well. And he could take pieces of wood and make things out of them. They look nice. One Sunday, Murray and I were having a discussion here at worship about Purple Heart. Those of you who don't know, Purple Heart is a particular kind of wood. And Dwayne overheard us that day, and he said, is that wood really purple? We said, yeah, it really is. He said, well, I have some. Really? <laughs> yeah, I got some. Well, what are you doing with it? Well, we burned some of it. And Murray and I were just horrified. Because purple art wood costs a lot of money. And so, because Dwayne is a generous sort of guy, he, he brought some chunks of purple heart wood for me. When we were when we were moving their stuff on Saturday and Monday, or Saturday and Sunday. I guess I should say. I had two pieces of stainless steel that were about this long. Bolts in them. Stainless steel bolts. And what they were for was to put mud flaps on the semi. And I had, I had cleaned those <laughs> because the guy that I had bought these flaps for, he didn't want those, and so he said, you must have. And so what do I do with them? I, 
back from the tensions to doing something with them. What? Do we keep or do we go? Well, I guess they go to the scrap. So John took them. He had, he had some scrap that he was taking out to the landfill, the transfer station. But he didn't take them there. He thought, you know, maybe those things are, maybe they, maybe they're, maybe they're worse off. So he took them to the tire shop and asked the guy at the tire shop, are these things worth anything? Well, yeah, they are. He asked John, well, how much, how much do you want for them? He said, I don't know. He said, they're not mine. He said, God had them, they were just going to be thrown away, and we thought they were worth something. He said, well, would you take $20 for them? John said, well, it'd be $20 more than he's got now. The things that we sold, the things that we gave away, and the things that we threw away were all things. And likely if one had the money and desire, you could replace some of those things. But remember that they are just things. They are just things. So I want you to think with me for a little bit now this morning. That there are some things that are worth more than money. In Genesis chapter 25, we have the account of two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Esau had been in the field and and he'd come in and he was hungry. And his brother had something that he could eat. And so he made a deal. He made a deal with his brother to sell his birthright for a meal. Which he did. Birthright back in those days was pretty significant. If you were the firstborn son, you had the right to a double portion according to Deuteronomy 21, 15 through 17. A double portion of the inheritance. Think about that. It was valuable to have a birthright. And Esau traded his birthright for a meal. We always are reminded when we gather around the Lord's table that um, we have some distinct blessings because we have been redeemed. 
And so I want you to think about the value of your redemption. What's it worth? Well, maybe what is it, first and foremost? It is deliverance. It is salvation. And we needed it. In Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes these words. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through all whom also we are we uh, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into the grace in which we stand. We exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Redemption. You and I had a need. We all had a sin problem and we needed to get rid of it. We needed to get it out of the way. And the blood of Christ was going to be that which would get it out of the way and bring us back into a relationship with God again. What's it worth? What's redemption worth? Paul again, writing in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Neat little story about a boy and his dad. The little boy wanted to have a sailboat. And so he and his dad worked at this little sailboat and they had it, they had it pretty much all put together and they had it sitting on the veranda in front of their house. A little table sitting out there. And the boy he was quite proud of this little, this little sailboat, but he never really got yet to put it in the water and see how it really worked. But there it sat. That night somebody stole it. And so the little boy, of course, was rather sad about the fact that his little boat had been stolen. And so one day he and his dad were walking down the street and they passed a pawn shop and here his little boat was sitting in the window at the pawn shop. 
little boy brought his dad's attention. And he said, there, Dad, there's my phone. So he went in and he asked the owner, he said, can I buy the boat? Yeah, he buy the boat. Went home and got his piggy bank and got some money and he came back and he bought the boat. And as he carried the little boat back, to, back home, he said to his dad, he says, now, now it's really mine. I first made it and now I bought it. Think about redemption. God made us and he bought us back through his son. Enabling us to be joint heirs to the blessings that are come only in Christ Jesus. So redemption, what is it worth to you? From the text that Michael brought to us this morning from Matthew chapter 16. Back in the book of Genesis, you'll remember when God created things that he breathed into man a breath of life and man became a living soul, scripture says. You and I have one of those. And in the reading, Jesus says, what will you give in exchange for your soul? You maybe remember the little song about that one went down to Georgia looking for a soul to steal. Had a little banjo competition, or a little violin competition. Some of you will remember that song. What would you give in exchange for your soul? And it's interesting that Jesus would say, not even the world. And I don't know whether you've thought about it or not when you've read that passage or you've heard it read, if you've wondered about Jesus thinking back to after his baptism when he was in the wilderness and the devil said, you bow down and worship me and I'll give you all this. And Jesus says, oh man, give an exchange for soul. So what about our faith? What about our faith? What's your faith worth? When Jesus was teaching by way of parables, he taught a parable that's recorded by Luke, in Luke chapter 8 about the sower that went out to sow some seeds. It's one of the parables that Jesus gives an explanation. And so I want you to, I want you to notice with me verses 13 and 14 of Luke chapter 8. 
And those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in times of temptation, fall away. And the seeds which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. A sad description, really, isn't it? Of individuals who've come to know what the value of faith is and have thrown it away. Paul in writing 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 18, he says this. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might fight the good fight. Keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Interesting wording by Paul when he talks to Timothy about a faith that is shipwrecked. Paul understood how devastating a shipwreck was. Because in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 25, he expressed that he was shipwrecked three times. It was never pretty going through a shipwreck. And yet he describes individuals who shipwrecked their faith. So this morning I want you to I want you to think about the fact that, yeah, we have a lot of things that we value and they're worth something. But I guess I needed to learn a lesson that they were just things. Just things. But there are some that I trust that you and I will never throw away. We will never throw away our birthright. We will never trade it. Because being adopted by God through His Son 
To be a joint heir with Christ, you can't buy that, folks. And so redemption is part of the picture. The worth of your soul. I trust you wouldn't give anything in exchange for that. And your faith. I trust that you wouldn't have it checkwrecked and become destroyed. Because it has value. It has worth. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. John, as he writes in the Revelation, makes this statement. Be faithful unto death, I'll give you the crown of life. Let's never throw away those things that will lead us into eternity with God.